Hello and welcome to the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. My name is Shmuel Tenenhaus and this is my podcast. Like I mentioned before in the beginning of season three, which was last week, that in this season we're committing to doing more interviews. And I have landed the interview of a lifetime. I've been trying to get Jessica on the podcast for probably months now at this point. And uh, just a little background here. So you may be familiar with global warming and other existential crises. What you may not be familiar with is that Florida has a massive iguana population. And the iguanas are everywhere. They're in your car, they're in the house, they're on the streets, they're in the libraries. And uh, I had an opportunity to meet Jessica, who was uh, doing her magic at uh, somebody, somebody's house that I know. And Jessica's job is a full-time, right, full-time mm-hmm. iguana specialist or iguana trapper. S- trapper. And I felt that since this is probably the most important thing going on in the world, even though maybe the media doesn't tell you that for many reasons, I thought it would be great to have Jessica on the podcast. Say hello, Jessica. Hello, this is Jessica with Iguana Solutions. Okay, so uh, I wanted to jump right into a bunch of questions right now. Question number one, how long have you been doing this for work? Right now I've been doing it for four years for work. I originally opened with a partner. Opening businesses with partners is not a good idea, so we closed that after six months, and I reopened as Iguana Solutions before I was Florida Iguana Solutions. So it stayed very similar, everything stayed the same, except it's just me instead of uh, having a partner. Okay, amazing. Now, I'm curious, what was the motivation that one day you decided that you wanted to trap iguanas for a living? So, um, it's been a destiny thing. I've uh, caught anything that moves since I was really little. I got in trouble for catching a rattlesnake in, uh, I guess, first grade. And uh, the school wanted to kick me out because I had picked up the rattlesnake. But it was in front of the girls' bathroom and needed to be moved. I thought I was helping. So Yeah, you ought to have gotten a medal for that. (laughs) (laughs) Valedictorian. So the teachers were struggling with it, so I helped with it, and then they were very upset that I'd done it. So those sort of things have happened my whole life, bringing, you know, a duck with a broken wing into the house, and mom has to get it out the bathtub and stuff like that. And um, I did go to school for biology and things like that. So um, it was a destiny. Okay, amazing. Now, uh, next question. I'm curious, what is the largest iguana you ever caught? So um, a lot of iguanas kind of top out at a certain size and um, don't get much bigger after that. They get a little bit bulkier, but around 14 pounds, the one that I weighed, because a lot of times I don't even have time to weigh them, we're very, very busy. As you said, the iguanas are everywhere. Okay. So uh, our he was 14.0 pounds and he was 66 inches. And I have pictures, he's on Instagram. And uh, he's laying next to my son next. It looks like he's not as big because you think he's laying on 12-inch tiles, but he's laying on 16-inch tiles. So when you see the iguana, he's he's absolutely Like huge. five feet? Yes, like five and a half. Wow. Almost six. They supposedly top out at six. Okay. I actually went to a zoo somewhere here in Florida maybe last year, and there were, it was flooded with iguanas. The iguanas yeah. were sometimes bigger than the animals in the zoo. 
And they can carry diseases. They can um, carry parasites. The, the iguanas over in Davy have ticks. So I'm surprised that the zoo doesn't have some sort of need to control them, but they're probably filled with animal lovers, right, at the zoo. That makes sense. And so they are less inclined to take them out because when you take them out because they're invasive, you have to put them down. And so there will be a conflict with those people there. Got it, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so your job is people call you when they have iguanas. Absolutely. And they want you to trap them and get them off their property. In all kinds of ways. Okay. Yes, all kinds of stories. Is it residential, business, both? Both. And I also get, I work for the city, I work for the state. Um, and so multiple cities have contacted us. They, um, yeah, it's a problem everywhere. Golf courses to individual homes, little old ladies that can't get the lizard out of her house and needs help, like truly needs someone to help her. She is scared and needs somebody to get over there. Wow. And when, how do the cities or the state find you? So it, I used to advertise, but we got overwhelmed, so I don't advertise anymore. They usually find me by word of mouth because now I'm known among some of the cities and things like that, like city managers and things. But um, it's usually word of mouth because when we show up, we actually get iguanas. We, don't, we aren't like other companies. We only charge somebody if we take iguanas. So we don't show up and charge a bunch of money and take nothing. And um, we hear some stories like that, unfortunately. Um, we actually just finished a job down the road where we took um, 23 iguanas. Wow. And um, it's just a short seawall. And they said a company before them only took three. And so these people are desperate to get iguanas out. They dish out a bunch of money and they're hesitant to work with another company. So when they hear that we actually get the numbers, the, the word just spreads. They'll send it out to the whole company that there's a company that's actually getting the iguanas and we'll get five, six calls that day from multiple condos and things like that. So you were, if I heard you correctly, you say that you don't advertise because when you do, you get overwhelmed Absolutely. with inbound requests. Never, ever advertise. The truck, words on my truck are already too much sometimes. That's incredible. Are there franchising opportunities with Iguana so, <laughs> I have tried to have a couple people work with me. They don't work the same way. Okay. Um, I, um, I'm highly motivated to get the iguanas beyond the business side of it. If it's a, and um, I feel that I have a certain understanding of how many iguanas are in the area and it's difficult for me to relay it to somebody to, to, to have them be able to do the same thing and get the same result and stuff. So um, we're trying to come up with products that help people be able, so sorry. That's okay. That help people be able to, that's an iguana call. I'm sure it is. <laughs> so that help people be able to self-manage iguanas because um, non-stop iguana removal is not reasonable for somebody to pay for, not for most budgets of a company or a, a residential place. Sure. When a city or a state calls you, like what type of situation do they have? I mean, obviously it involves iguanas. Right. They're not just calling to have you, you know, give a speech. So um, one city call was um, the, the iguanas were all over a particular park that's in Broward County and there were so many iguanas coming out there to eat the awesome grass that they put down on turf, right, because it's actually more nutritious and uh, tastier. And so the iguanas prefer it over the grass that's right outside the fence. So all the iguanas influx onto the field and poop everywhere. They said the kids would play uh, football and soccer and get covered in iguana poo and they've got streaks all over their jerseys. 
not to mention that they were actually killing the grass. So the city, who knows how many thousands, they paid to roll up that turf and relay turf and everything, all behind iguanas. Wow, so they called you and so said, they let's just... don't even blink at paying me to go out there and get 100 iguanas off the property, wrap the trees to prevent new iguanas from going up, and get those iguanas back away from the, the fields so that the kids and the, the public can use these facilities. On that field, like that park you were talking about, how many iguanas did you catch there? So when I first started there, I could just jump the fence and run out there and there are videos of us, you can watch it, where we're, I'm just trucking it across a football field and five to ten iguanas hit the end fence that are very large that can't fit through the holes. There's probably another 15 small ones on the ground. But the large ones, I can run up and snag them, and I'll come back with two and three iguanas in my arms. If only I was an octopus, I could come back with so seven So you literally just chase them and grab them sometimes? Absolutely. And you have no fear? No, we have to get the iguana. Okay, that's just the number one overarching yes. sentiment. People ask me all the time, why did you do that? And I'll be like, because he was going to get away. <laughs> that's crazy. So you must have caught like 30, 40 iguanas there? Um, no, I think we took over 100 iguanas wow. from that park. So, yeah, and it's next door to a school, okay. and the um, school um, handicap parking was there, and so all the handicapped children that use, that oftentimes have health issues and use these wheelchairs where they have to touch the wheels, right, to roll the wheelchair, sure. so they're rolling through the iguana poop. I have photos of this place on Instagram. Okay. <laughs> what is your Instagram, food. by the way, and so, your YouTube? So there's one Instagram that's Iguana Solutions. Okay. And that's going to show the company and live iguanas and us catching iguanas. If you want to see um, a removal where we're euthanizing iguanas using an air rifle, you will see dead iguanas on that page, and that's Iguana Snipers. Okay. So those are the two options, or both, if you want to see. And then um, one of the products that we provide... When you say iguana snipers, does that mean you're, their iguanas are kind of you know, bad-mouthing each other and they're sniping at each other? or? <laughs> so, no, iguanas only fight in uh, breeding season, okay. usually. So, what is breeding season? Which, that would be in winter. So okay. you can expect to see iguanas fighting and turn really bright orange. And that's when everybody's like, man, I'm seeing these giant orange ones everywhere. I saw one at the gas station. That's like November, December, January. Okay, cool. And, and then... Um, that's when you see the female iguanas out nesting. They're at Home Depot buying different stuff for their house. So that's March. Okay. So March, you're going to start having these weird holes show up in the yard, especially if you have a sandy area or something like that along the edge of a seawall. Um, an abandoned house next door nobody's taking care of. You'll see all these holes pop up March, April, and May, and that's them digging these D, capital D-shaped holes, so an arch at the top, flat at the bottom and they're laying 50 eggs in there for you to uh, deal with in three months. What is your crazy iguana, craziest iguana catching story? And I'm sure you have so many, but like something that comes to mind. So a lot of people were surprised and it just made the news the last couple of days that iguanas come up toilets. I don't know if people are aware, especially around our area, Hollywood. Okay, that's just a great other thing for people to worry about right yes, now. Yes, yes. So uh, green iguanas usually don't come up toilets, but the if you live in Hollywood, you may have noticed, especially around Emerald Hills, and that area, there are gray iguanas called spiny-tailed iguanas. Okay. And they're a little more monitor and menacing looking. And um, they actually eat meat. And they will hunt things. 
and they like to live in holes. So when they sit on people's roofs, if they don't have those little pipes that stick out of the roof called soil vents covered, the iguana, when an eagle or something flies by, not eagle, a hawk, a hawk flies by, he'll dive down the closest hole, and that is the pipe on your roof, and now he's stuck down there, and the only way out is through your toilet. The iguana can only come up through your toilet? Yes, the iguana will come up through your toilet at that point. Okay, so, and so... You were in the middle of saying your craziest story. So did you see actual iguanas coming up toilets? Um, well, we've had um, many iguanas come up toilets in different places. A lot of people really shocked like, by that. I'd say the craziest story I've had was I got a call that there was an iguana in the uh, scoreboard at one of the cricket games going on in Broward County. And so the game had to be delayed because they could not display the score. And the iguana had climbed so far up, I guess like 50 feet up in the air somehow, and it's a metal pole, so he had to climb a ladder, and he was in the electrical box. And so when I pulled him out, he pulled all the wiring out and was an absolute mess. But they find their way into car engines. A guy called me and bought a brand new BMW, and there was a small iguana living in the center console. Um, I've had the, all kinds of stories. They get anywhere and everywhere. Do you think that this is like part of global warming just in terms of they love the heat or it's not related at all? So I don't think it's related to them being here or the numbers that we have. Uh, I think it could be related to the lack of a freeze each year. So then that was knocking out maybe like 10, 20% each time it froze here and there. And um, so that's not helping. And I think if global warming is happening as you move north, they'll start having higher temperatures, which iguanas can tolerate. The only reason there aren't iguanas all over Wisconsin is because it freezes. And so everybody had iguanas everywhere. I mean, that comes back to how they get here, right? So people release them. Sometimes they're kept outside. A hurricane comes through and some escape. Things like that happen. But overall, people release them and they lay so many eggs, it takes very few to be able to repopulate the area and and totally explode since they are an invasive species. So that which leads me to my next question. Where did these iguanas all come from and how did it all start? Because when I was growing up here we had lizards. Right. Now they've evolved or it's not the same thing obviously but how did that all start? So I feel like a lot of people try to point the finger at one thing and it's probably a, a, a multiple factors that came into play. The biggest factor being the pet trade, people having pet iguanas. You've had a pet iguana till he became three, four feet. You probably got him in high school, so now you're going to college, and mom's not taking care of your four- You're looking at me, iguana, I, didn't, I didn't have one, but you're talking but about people, somebody. Okay. When people get them, right? Yeah. Who's gonna get them? It wasn't a seven-year-old. It was like a high schooler that wants to walk around with a cool three-foot lizard on their shoulder. And by the time you graduate, now what do you do with it? You're entering adult life, college, something. And that's when those animals get abandoned a lot of times. Because um, nobody's going to bring an iguana to a prom. Yeah, well, well, it's more like no, you can't bring it to the dorm. Okay. So, and mom and dad aren't going to take care of it. And so they're like, what are you going to do with it? And everybody says, just bring it to the zoo. The zoo does not have an iguana display. I've never been to a zoo with an iguana display. And people are just real naive on what's gonna happen to it. And if you bring it to a vet, a vet's gonna tell you to put it down, because you can't release it. And that's exactly what they do, is they go outside and they say, I don't wanna kill Spike. And they let it go in the tree in the backyard, and Spike lives. They see Spike around. 
And then Spike has eggs and they have babies. And they and have babies and it only takes a few of them to lay eggs. Iguanas aren't affected by inbreeding like that because rep just how reptiles are. And, and they have tons of babies and immediately you have a problem, which is why South Florida with our lack of freezes and tropical climate is the invasive species capital of the world. Wow. Of the world. There's no other place in the entire world with the invasive species that we have. Plants, fish, insects, birds, reptiles, mammals, all together. We have pythons, we have tegus, we have monitors, we have iguanas. Is, you mentioned Spike. Is that the most popular name for a pet iguana? I would, I would say so. Have Everybody you, names their iguana Spike. How <laughs> many, have you encountered a lot absolutely, of Spike? Okay. Absolutely. More than three? <laughs> like more than ten. Why do they come up with Spike? Because they all have the spikes on their back. Everybody okay. wants the big boy with the big head and the large jowls that's impressive. And um, people try to contact me for those as pets. And um, I absolutely refuse. Not only is it illegal to keep iguanas as pets in the state of Florida anymore, but um, it's just a bad idea. They, Which year was it? Like, can we put point? Because again, it was about the two thousand five zero. Mm -hmm. The seventies. Okay, but I didn't. Growing up, because I grew up in South Florida, I didn't see a lot of as many iguanas as I see now. I mean, I hardly saw them. When did you start seeing them everywhere? I don't know. I lived here in '08. Okay. And they were everywhere then. Okay. And they had a big deal about a freeze that year. And all the iguanas fell, and I had just had a baby, okay. <laughs> so I didn't get to pay attention that much. Okay. But um, they had to be explosively um, breeding before that to get to the numbers they're at. I mean, there's millions in South Florida. Yeah, that was another question. How many? How many? They don't know, and but they have no funding to estimate. FWC wants to estimate. Okay. They don't know. Millions of iguanas millions in South Florida. Of iguanas. I can tell you that I go to small properties and take 25, 30 iguanas on a regular basis, single homes. So if each home had 25, 30, a cul-de-sac has, a, you know, what, 500 to 1,000 iguanas in it? And they are continuing to populate. Every day. The eggs, are the first hatchlings I saw this year were June 6th. Do you think there's going to be, at some point, are there more iguanas than people at this point? Absolutely. And is it spreading to other places in Florida or to yes. other states? Yes, I get contacted from the East Coast on the regular. They're definitely spreading in Fort Myers. There's a couple of iguana company guys trying to open up out there and handle the problem. Naples has iguanas. Um, they've been reported. So there's a, um, if you want help, right, there is an app called I've Got One, okay? And um, it is, uh, I think it's called Eads Maps. It is a public mapping service for invasive species. You take a photo of what you saw that's not supposed to be here in Florida, and you report it on there, and they'll have specialists actually verify whether or not you're correct. And then if it's a true sighting of an elephant in Broward, right, an invasive species, then they'll post it. And you can use it yourself to also track those animals. If you want to go see the monkeys, you know we have monkeys here in Hollywood, Florida, yeah, invasive monkeys. Do they? you ever get called for invasive monkeys, or you're strictly iguanas? No, the, it's illegal to touch the monkeys. Okay. They carry herpes, I think, okay. or hepatitis. Monkeypox. They carry some bad stuff. They carry human transmissible diseases here. So, And I think they have some laws to protect them. But invasive species are something you can, you can report on I've got one.com, and you can monitor where they're spreading, and they report iguanas as high as Daytona. Okay. Any homegrown do-it-yourself techniques that people can do? Absolutely. 
okay, what can people do? The average person, let's say they're too busy, you're too busy to, to, to come for a call because you're either doing a podcast or you're ca catching other iguanas. Right. So, I'm so sorry. That's okay. Other than, it doesn't even have to be that I'm too busy. If you hired me and I came and took 25 of the 30 iguanas in your yard, everyone knows they're coming back. There's some in the neighbor's yard. There's, they laid eggs we just talked about. There, there's going to be more. So you don't want to have to hire me over and over. I'd like to guide people to be able to put their own traps down. You want to use a cantaloupe or mango or papaya. They're bright orange and red, and they're not too expensive to throw in the traps. And um, that is a way that you can trap your own iguanas with a trap just from Home Depot. Uh, we sell our own traps that I designed, and um, that, that's one thing you can do. You can get your own air rifle, which is legal in the state of Florida, to shoot your iguanas on your own property as long as you are a quality shot, so you can make it a humane shot. He should be able to be put down with one shot, right? Okay. It doesn't happen every time. It doesn't happen with deer. It doesn't happen with hunting pigs, and it doesn't happen with iguanas either, but you should have a gun that's capable of putting it down with one shot, and you personally should be a decent shot enough to be able to do it, right? Body shots never ever kill iguanas, only at the base of the skull. Okay, but, but like you said, let's say somebody does the cantaloupe and the mango, at the end of the day, the iguanas are gonna come back there, no? Especially yeah. if they know there's good cantaloupe Okay, mango. so only a certain size can lay eggs, Okay. right? So you're pulling out the adults. The state estimates 70% of the babies are don't survive, okay? So 70% of that 50 that hatched in your yard aren't going to live because of cats, birds, the cars running over and stuff like that, okay? So if you can control some of the adults that are even laying the eggs and the, the natural environment's controlling the little baby ones, you are definitely reducing the population. And if you're killing four and five-year-old iguanas every day or every few days, those iguanas aren't coming back in that speed at that size. A, a four-year-old iguana definitely lays more eggs than a one-year-old iguana. So a small female, the least amount of eggs I've found in her is 19, and the most eggs I've found in a really large female is 68. That's a crazy range. Yeah, so, and what else is crazy is that she's so young she can lay eggs. A one-year-old female seems to be able to lay eggs. That's like feral cats with kittens, making kittens at four months old. Okay, now politically speaking, whose fault do we, do we think the iguanas are? Do you think this is Biden's fault or Trump's fault? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't know if the iguanas are a factor in politics. Okay. Do you think iguanas are potentially a national security threat sent here from the Russians just to, to <laughs> distract us from everything that's going on? Because <laughs> they, they're doing a good job. <laughs> they're doing a good job. They're doing a good job. Draining resources. Um, I, I think the Russians sending iguanas is a possibility. Okay. That's a possibility. And then the next thing is, we haven't, to my knowledge, even though they're so invasive and there's so many in Florida, we have yet to see a politician run on dealing with the iguana problem. On dealing with the iguana problem. So it's funny you say that. It's it. They should mention it. Um, Palm Beach, uh, not last year, but the year before, they had an article that they spent 1.8 million dollars of taxpayer money on iguana repairs under bridges, along railroads, along roadways under infrastructure type situations. From everything that you see and your experiences and the calls from the cities and the momentum, do you see this problem going away anytime soon? Absolutely not. 
They need to do more of, I think, a bounty on iguanas. The state of Louisiana has a bounty on invasive rats called Nutria rats. How much they, is the bounty? I think it's like three or four dollars a tail. Okay. And if you go out in the swamp and you go around and have a good time with your shotgun and you chop all the tails off, leave the rats for the gators to eat, you are doing a huge service to the swamps of Louisiana. And has it helped them? Absolutely. There's no nothing else controlling them. And man, some swamp people love to go shoot them something. So sure. absolutely. So and people are the same here. I mean, Floridians love their guns. If you will let them go out and get the iguanas, which is why they put out that full bulletin, you can shoot your own iguanas on your own property. But then FWC revoked it a few days later and took it down. You can't even find it anymore. Um, because it just looked so bad to just give people free reign to go shoot them. It still stands, you just can't go find the public statement about it. Where would somebody get an air rifle, by the way? So, Air Guns of Arizona is where I would recommend getting a high-end air rifle. The higher-end air rifles are going to be perfectly accurate and very capable of doing the humane shots that I was describing before. How much do they run for? My air gun is $1,500. Can you do buy now, pay later, where you just <laughs> pay installments for that air gun if you want to really catch that iguana? So they do allow for deposits on guns and things like that, and it will absolutely work with you. And you don't have to spend as much as I spent, but a good setup, because these guns run with an air tank, kind of like a scuba tank. Um, you probably end up spending at least six or seven hundred on the gun and another two or three on your air setup so that you can continue to get iguanas with that. But if you spend four or five hundred dollars for a service to get iguanas just twice a year, the air gun paid for itself in one year. So there's, if people are on the water and they are in the plants, I meet master gardeners, that their, their retirement life is trying to grow soursops in their backyard. And to have these iguanas come destroy the work they put in, not just this year, but last year and the year before, is absolutely unacceptable. And this air rifle is a necessity at some point. So, uh, and we have tons of customers that shoot with just a break barrel air rifle from Bass Pro Shop that costs 200 bucks. And yes, they get iguanas. You have to practice. Well, yes, they get iguanas. What do you practice on? Um, you can go to a range. We have a local range here in Hollywood that's a gun and rifle range that's private that is very open to new uh, people and very... Do they have iguana targets? They do. I <laughs> knew it! I gotta go. I gotta go. And I have an iguana target that's a lot of fun. It's, a, it's from Air Guns of Arizona and it resets. So you just set it up at the end of the yard with a backstop and when you shoot it, you hit the bottom and it resets so you can shoot it again without having to get up. Okay, a couple more questions. Yes. I really appreciate your time. I know that you're, running to, you're running to your next... Iguana job, absolutely. We have some iguanas to get today for sure. You also mentioned that the last couple of weekends you've been nonstop. Yeah, oftentimes this time of year, July and August, iguanas are most active and doing a lot, a lot of damage. People, a lady yesterday spent over $1,000 on Bougainvillea and the iguanas are killing it within a week or two. And so it becomes urgent to get to these places. So we, we sometimes work seven days a week. How many calls are you getting sometimes during the day? Um, new calls are usually more on Mondays and Tuesdays. Okay. People thought about it and saw the iguanas over the weekend. And okay. now they want to get them on Monday. So um, I will probably get four or five new calls on Monday, and then I'll get about two a day after that. And I do a very small area, so I refer out at least half of my calls. Okay. Um, so a couple more questions. Um, do you think iguanas can solve world hunger? Oh, yeah. 
yeah, I think that it can make a huge difference. Um, you know, protein is, is the valuable part in meals a lot of times that can't be given to the hungry, right? If you go get a box of food at the church down the street, they're going to give you pasta and rice. You will get no protein. You, they won't even give you eggs. Sometimes they will, but they just don't have it. It's not that they don't want to, of course, right? And so if, if we could provide this protein, these iguanas are GMO-free, antibiotic-free, free-range, grass-fed, right? Yeah, so, my grass. Right, my, yeah, <laughs> specifically. So um, they're also a very lean meat. They're a healthy meat to eat. They're a white meat. They taste good. I've eaten them myself, and I am the pickiest eater you've ever met. Um, so it, there's no reason that they shouldn't be used. You know, I tried to open a butcher shop to, um, to process these iguanas. The only legal processing facility for iguanas in the United States is in Puerto Rico. And so they have the only FDA regulation book, the FDR, that allows you to know what regulations to fall under to get inspected to be able to open your butcher shop. And I tried to get the FDA and stuff to work with me and contacted the Florida State Agriculture Department. And they ignored me and ignored me and ignored me. And so I went and found their mission statement that says that their job is to use the resources of Florida to allow people, the public, to grow economically or something like that and prosper. And I used their own mission statement against them, and I got a call from the state attorney for the uh, health department here in Florida. And he told me that there is no state meat inspection program, which means I have to fall back to the FDA. The FDA won't respond, and he told me they wouldn't. That I would need lawyers and money to really back this, to get this going. But if we could get somebody to process it, then it is legal to sell this stuff yeah. or give it away for human consumption. But until it is processed under FDA rules, it's illegal. Yep. I mean, it's, just so you know, it, I mean, it's not a kosher food. Oh, yes. Um, but there's plenty of people who don't eat kosher that could uh, yes. eat it. And the, do people call you sometimes or do you give them for people give the, the, the yes. ones you're putting down for food? Yes. So that's considered wild game at that point, and there are laws that allow people to share wild game with friends. So I have about 50 Trinidadian friends in my phone. Trinidadians, by the way, love their iguanas, and they will come by and pick up large iguanas that we put down humanely. Immediately, they throw them on ice and take them like fish. Do they eat a medium rear or well they eat done? Them, so they tell me usually a lot of Jerky. them cook them with curry. It depends on where they're from. People all around the world eat iguanas. So Colombians love iguanas, um, El Salvadorians love iguanas, some Mexicans eat iguanas, some uh, Trinidadians, my Trinidadians oftentimes eat them with curry and make like a little curry, little slew of stuff in a pan. They send me photos and sometimes they work the eggs into it. And then um, the, the, a lot of people that are from El Salvador and stuff, they seem to throw it directly on the barbecue. And they say that they put the whole thing on the barbecue with the skin and it keeps it moist and they peel the skin off and eat the meat right off the bone. Fascinating. So real quick, I wanted to touch on the, the, you asked about the world hunger. I really have looked into that. I've tried to contact the uh, Feed Haiti groups. Hope for Haiti is a specific one. And there had been a gentleman who had contacted me back. And in an effort to get around the FDA, <laughs> 
I was going to look into getting a license to ship reptiles. People ship reptiles in and out of the country for pets and all kinds of reasons all the time. If we could get a license to ship live iguanas that have not been processed to Haiti, then they can process them in Haiti however they so choose. Yeah, it seems like we'd be killing two birds with one stone. Uh, no pun intended with the killing. <laughs> um, but literally, you have an infestation problem with iguanas here in Florida, and then you have people starving all around the world. Just very close to us, right there in Haiti. It is too close for them to be starving, and we have a waste of meat. I bring about 240 pounds of meat to the dump after giving away my large iguanas every two to three weeks. There are people here that are hungry. Yes. yes. Okay. Final question. What do you think about the idea in terms of dealing with the iguanas? We just have blimps or planes fly over with the AC on or some sort of cooling vent, would that do any damage or like people just in their cars to drive with their windows down and the AC on or is that not gonna make a dent? Ice cubes, drop a bunch of ice cube showers, right? No, that's not gonna cut it, but um, there's supposedly some people looking into some sterilization pills that they maybe would have little tablets that could be dropped in high iguana population areas and they'd be able to cause these iguanas to be sterile and although they'd be alive, it'd be humane, and they could live out their life. I feel like people that propose that stuff, though, don't realize they want us to live 30 years. So I guess we could have the millions that are already here live their life out for 30 years, but that's a lot of bio and damage. And a lifespan is 30 years? Yeah, they lived so stinking long. That's probably part of the problem too. Yeah, and they're almost indestructible. I mean, iguanas have a pee for a brain, so when people do bad shots on them, they do not kill them. Iguana can get hit by a car, run off, and have two legs and live just fine. We find iguanas that are blind. We find iguanas that are missing legs, feet, tails, all kinds of stuff. They can survive almost anything. They can hold their breath for 45 minutes. Yeah, they can swim too. They're little robots. Hey. Okay, got to go? No. <laughs> it's okay. No, hey, no take as time as you need. I was just letting you know I came back. Okay, one more, one more last question. No what are the worst thing that somebody can do to attract iguanas? Like, what are the number one things that people do? I think that's do? great questions. I'd love to help people control them on their own. So, um, things that are bringing iguanas into your property, um, oftentimes are just a lot of trees, right? Because iguanas live in trees, and they prefer to be in trees. So, if the whole neighborhood has no trees, you have the one yard with six palm trees, you're gonna have iguanas. Because all the ones in the neighborhood look around and when they look up, you're the only place to go for the night. Iguanas sleep at night, come out during the day and eat all your plants. Uh, you don't wanna have bougainvillea. You don't What's bougainvillea? Have... You mentioned that before, I know what is it. What is that? Bougainvillea is a vine with thorns on it that okay. makes a fuchsia flower a lot of times and is super common in South Florida because it's absolutely gorgeous. But if iguanas are around, they'll kill it. I've seen 30-year-old bougainvillea killed by iguanas. Um, hibiscus is the other one that they really like, and those are also nutritional plants. If you have pet reptiles, they recommend you feed them to them. So when we have those plants, the iguanas really thrive and lay more eggs. That's why when you go to the Everglades, there's no iguanas out in the Everglades. The iguanas are here where we are, because we feed them. We feed them hibiscus. Never thought about that. We feed them hibiscus and bougainvillea and all that stuff. Iguanas will even go in dumpsters. I've gotten you, they, they become scavengers. I've seen iguanas eat chicken bones, seen iguanas eat cookies, seen iguanas eat anything. Once you start throwing them stuff and they learn that whatever you throw them is edible, they'll eat whatever you throw on the ground.
people often ask me, what am I going to do about these iguanas after you've left? I cannot have you come here every week. You even tell me you can't come every week. What do I do? We said something about you trapping, but a lot of people, that's not for them. They don't want to touch iguanas. They don't even want to touch the trap the iguana might go in. Okay? But we have a couple other solutions. We can wrap trees. You can wrap your trees. People have aluminum wrapped around trees all around the city. That is to prevent iguanas from climbing I was trees. wondering what those, they look like Star Trek trees. It looks like you put a giant aluminum can around the tree. It works fantastically, but usually people nail it into the tree and that does damage to the tree. Um, I have a degree in biology and I know how uh, damaging a, tr a tree can cause disease and insects to enter the tree. That can actually be, be a big problem. If you make the side of your tree rot and a hurricane comes this year, that tree's falling on your house because you wanted to prevent an iguana. So we're going to make sure that we don't damage the tree while we put on the wrap. Also, in How does the wrap help? Because they can't climb it or they don't want smooth. it? Too smooth. Yeah, it's like him walking up to a window and he cannot grip his claws and they're just doofuses. They grip, try to grip it, they walk around the tree, still can't do it. And after that, they'll remember. You can even take the wrap off and for the next couple weeks you'll have a preliminary like uh, result from it, like a residual result was the word I was looking for. Um, because they remember they can't climb that tree until they realize they can again. They so climb. when I see in South Florida a tree with tinfoil on it, it's to protect from iguanas. Yes, and some people will even take aluminum foil out because they saw somebody else with the other aluminum, but they used aluminum flashing. And this person went and got a roll of aluminum foil out the drawer in the kitchen and <laughs> wrapped it around the tree. And it kind of works for little ones, but big ones will grab all those bins. You so what's the right smooth. type of aluminum foil to use? So the aluminum you want to use would be sold like at Home Depot in a 50-foot roll, 12 inches wide. That's a, a, like an aluminum flashing. It actually comes in a brown or that shiny aluminum. Some people uh, spray paint it. It is a do-it-yourself thing, and you will get a result. Wow, okay. i got to um, try it. If you don't like aluminum, you think that's awful, and you would rather have iguanas, we have clear plastic that we sell at Iguana Solutions called Iguana Shield. Um, you can see it on Iguana Solution. I mean, on Instagram at Iguana Shield, and um, it's a perfectly clear plexiglass option. So it wobbles like poster board, right? That's how thick it is. And I'm going to wrap it around the tree, and I secure it to itself, so I don't damage your tree, and I prevent iguanas because it's plastic. It only lasts about a year, though. So the aluminum will last until you have to go move it because the tree outgrew it. The plastic you're going to have to replace about once a year due to the harsh conditions of the sun here in South Florida. But it's a, a nice look. In, in, if you're trying to do it in the front yard, uh, you have one tree and one is pooping on the Tesla every afternoon or right in the swimming pool every day because you have one coconut palm that sits over the pool. If you wrap that one tree, you'll fix that problem. If that was the problem, you don't have to remove the hundred iguanas in the yard or that come from the neighbors. You can just wrap the tree, get the result, and fix the problem. That's very helpful. It's helpful. In some people's situations, it fixes the whole iguana issue they were having. And if you were having everything eaten, you can wrap all the palms right there and prevent them. A lot of times, cabbage palms and date palms are their favorite. Okay. Thank you again. All right. It's I really such appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.